You know, Jesus spoke often about money and how to steward it. And on the far other side of the spectrum, there's Nancy Pelosi, who just defended the insider trading that she and her fellow politicians and staff did, saying, we have a free market economy and, and people should be able to participate in it. And of course, Nancy Pelosi is corrupt and she knows she is. But question, and we're going to answer it today, is the stock market anything like a free market? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is, in fact, the day the Lord has made a snowy day where I'm at. wonder more how it is for you. These are the times through which God has decided we shall live. We are one day away from my sinus surgery. And it's not really surgery. It's a balloon sinoplasty. And if they find a bunch of polyps, then they burn them out. And I had this thing. I found out. I was figuring out. I, I did this too late. Um, I'm a pure blood. And I'm not going to get injected with the mRNA injections or the ANA or the DNA. Oh, in the next hour, we've got news of all news on that. The itch, I mean, how many times have we all said this should be over? Everyone should figure out that the response to this is a scam. All of it's a scam. Every, every bit of it's a scam. But <laughs> if this doesn't end it, you know, I guess since we're talking about, we're about to talk about the free market economy with our friend Zach Abraham, is there such a thing? Truly, is the, is the stock market anything like a free market? Even even close. Zach's going to talk to us about that. Pfizer had an interesting uh, kind of investment decision. They went and bought a company for about 670 million bucks. And wouldn't you know that it uh, it solves problems that seem to be created by their injections? No, it's probably not related to that. So that's next hour. I have a thesis that we are not in a free market economy. I mean, we're taught to believe we are, but there's all sorts of ways to point to that we're not. Medicare is not free market. Medicaid's not free market. They control the healthcare economy. We see what that's done to public health officials, but that's, that's the easy one. You would think that with all the talk about the stock market being where the raiders go, not the, not the Los Angeles, formerly Oakland, formerly Los Angeles, then formerly Oakland Raiders, but actual Raiders. That's, that's, I mean, yeah, they're there, but man, the raid, the, the swindle. Well, we'll talk about that. The, the Bible talks a bunch about money, a whole lot, Old Testament and New Testament. And I was reading and prepping for the show, First uh, Timothy 7, or 6, 17, and First Timothy 6, 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life, that would be the eternal life with the Lord Jesus. It is not impossible, as I understand it, for rich people to make it into heaven, in other words. But you have to be rich and honest and generous and uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. Then there's Nancy Pelosi on the other side of the spectrum. And I had a discussion the other night uh, with my pastor, and this is going to be a struggle for me, guys. 
I, uh, her, her work product shows that she is a corrupt human being. Her work product indicates that her entire political career is bent upon corruption. Uh, she is duplicitous in everything she has ever done. Um, and her money-making swindles are legion. And all you need to do is just take a quick glance at her and what she does. Her hypocrisy is, is, is gargantuanly high. Her, her um, avarice is immeasurable. By us, by human means, it's immeasurable. Her willingness to destroy this country to have power is, is striking, sickening, breathtaking. Choose your adjective. It's all of them and then some. But she sort of rose to a, a new standard of, are you kidding me? Did you just say that? Do you know what you're doing? Yes, you do. You're acting purely in evil. Just recently. Let's just go through a real quick history of Pelosi. The fact is that there is an attitude of uh, uh, lawlessness in our country that springs from I don't know where. Maybe you do. That's it. Anyone any ideas? Anyone? Where the... The fact is that there is uh, an attitude of... Uh, uh, lawlessness mm-hmm. in our country that yeah. springs from I don't know where. You don't? Maybe you do. I do. Thanks for asking. Yes, I know where it comes from. One is a sin problem. The other is you and your party and your ilk and the party. <laughs> you have spent the you've spent three decades and, and and particularly the last decade you have spent that race baiting, race agitating, race hating. And creating situations, prepping an environment for a violent civil war. That's what you're prepping. And, if, and, and it's, not even, it's not even hard to see. But now the civil war is inconvenient. Just notice this. When it was about getting Orange Man bad out of the... Getting Orange Man bad out of the country. Well, out of, out of the White House. We had a, a hearing on... Uh, a subject related to this asylum seeker, refugees, etc., uh, the American, the Association of Evangelicals. Say that again. The evangelicals yeah. testify that asylum, refugees and asylum, that is the, they called it the crown jewel of America's humanitarianism. The crown jewel? The crown jewel of oh, okay. American humanitarianism. And in order to do away with that crown jewel, they're doing away with children being with their moms. This is... I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be when people realize uh, that this is a policy. So when it's about getting Orange Man bad out of the Oval Office, then she is begging for uprisings. And you heard Ilan Omar and, and the, the squad, and they wanted riots, and you heard CNN, which is, oh, there's another one. James O'Keefe has more of video and audio of a CNN staffer who was communicating his fantasies, his sexual fantasies, about his fiance's young daughter, like a child, 14 or something. And he was trying to arrange to get nudes of her, and he was thinking of marrying this woman, and she was thinking of marrying him, but there's no problem at CNN. It's not a dark place taken by the devil. Right? Right? Just misled folk. Right? So Pelosi says this now, then, 
she's concerned about the lawlessness because, you know, it's inconvenient. It's in a look, it's in an election cycle. Didn't she understand you're supposed to stop this? I remember saying, and I've said it many, many times, the Democrats with their flirting with not flirting with funding, supporting, legally defending, logistically supplying, promoting, um, making legal the actions of domestic terrorists when it is useful to tear down consistently helpful things in America, like being on time for meetings, like law, like order, like cops who are 99% good and held to account when they, when they're not all those things, they tear down the nuclear family, black lives matter incorporated wanted to do away with when they tear that down, uh, achievements, you know, extra achievement classes in school, they tear that down. They're all good with that. And they've built the monster. They thought they could control. And now they're saying, wait, wait, you know, you guys, we didn't really mean defund the cops. We meant say it a lot so that it sounds like, we're really radical now that it's happening and murder rates have skyrocketed and the murder of cops is up uh, 97% and sex trafficking in the separate country of Washington states up 2000% and the cities are burning and there's these mass looting events. Now Pelosi is ready to say she doesn't know where the lawlessness came from in the country. Just no idea. It's just slips her mind. I'm sorry, but this is lying. She is a liar and thou shalt not. And she's not alone. But it's this, it's this that just pinned me to the wall. There's a whole bunch of members, I think it's 79, and a whole bunch of staffers who were insider trading on pharma stocks. And that's, that's supposed to be against the rules. But I will tell you this as, as clearly as I possibly can. There are no rules in D.C. except for who has the bigger stick. Who's more mobbed up? Here's the law in D.C. Do you know the president? That's the law. Do you know the guy who gets to call himself president? That's the law. What side of the, uh, of the culture war are you on? Of, of the cultural revolution? That's the law. Oh, you're on the side that wants to tear the United States of America down in an evil attempt to overturn it and put it into communism, which is, in my opinion, completely inspired by Satan. Oh, I said Satan. Uh Uh-oh. Well, in that case, you're good to go. You want any semblance of, of order, respect for biological order? You want any respect for law and order? You want any respect for your fellow neighbor? You want to be taught? You want to teach your kids to love thy neighbor rather than hate them because they're white? Well, then you're on the outs. That's that's the law in D.C. And no more more striking than in finance. I've often described D.C. as a place where there are no recessions and no depressions. They have the greatest business model on earth. When they want more money, they take more money. It is a brilliant business model. Try that. You know, walk into a venture capital office with that today. Here's our elevator pitch. Um, we have a machine that, that it creates money. It conjures it. It does what? It conjures money. Does it counterfeit? Nope. Nope. It's perfectly, it's, it's not really legal, but it's not illegal. And you can spend it. Yep. What well, can you use it to buy yachts? What else? Land. We're in. They're in, guys. They're in. Here's Pelosi. Insider just completed a five-month investigation, finding that 49 members of Congress and 182 senior congressional staffers have violated the Stock Act, uh, the Insider Trading Law. I'm wondering if you have any reaction to that. And secondly, should members of Congress and their spouses be banned from trading individual stocks while serving in Congress? No, I don't know to the second one. Um, any, uh, we have a responsibility to report in the stock 
on the stock, but I don't, I'm not familiar with that five month review, but if uh, people aren't reporting, they should be. Because this is a free market and people, we have a free market economy, they should be able to participate in that. No, it's not what we're saying. Um, Look, if you work at Microsoft in any serious position or at a public company in any serious position, funny thing, you are not allowed to trade at certain times. If you have a certain amount of stock ownership, you're not allowed to trade at certain times. You have to time your trades. You have to disclose them at certain times. Why would that be? Wonder why that would be. Well, because if you don't, have laws like that, people will go out and get and, and buy a whole bunch of Microsoft stock knowing that they just signed a major deal or they'll go sell a bunch of Microsoft stock knowing they just lost a major deal or that they're going to be investigated by the SEC or the investigations come down and they've been found guilty of something or they're going to try to break up Microsoft or Facebook or Google and that's the way this works. Supposed to work. But it is so common there that they talk about it in public meetings. They have office holders tell people, I watched Barney Frank tell a room of two or three hundred executives, PR, you know, communications executives, spokesmouths, in other words, spinsters. He, he, in my presence, told them to buy Greek bonds on the morning that the Congress of the United States decided to spend your money to bail out Greece. That wasn't public yet. The news didn't have it. No one had it. Barney Frank had it. And he said to them, if I were rich like you, I would buy Greek bonds because they are, as of this morning, about 15 minutes ago, literally too big to fail as of now. And folks got on their phone and started and started trading it. I got up to give a speech after he got down and I, I went to my BlackBerry. We had those then. And I said, hold on, guys. I'm sorry. I know this is so rude. Just one second. I'm on my BlackBerry. I said, there, I just bought some Greek bonds. Let's let's hear it for insider trading. And I started to clap. And people up front were clapping like seals. Oh, yeah, insider trading. And then the other people go, shh, shh. And they looked around and said, yeah, that's right. That's right. In the real world, this is illegal. What you just did was illegal and immoral. And, and half the people, ah, insider trading. It's, it's, it's the greatest thing ever. And this guy's celebrating it. And everyone else is like, he's, he's accusing us. I am. You're convicted. So Pelosi says it's a free market economy. And I wanted to check with someone and, and say, well, is it actually a free market economy? Is it anything like a free market economy? So I thought I would call in my friend, Zach Abraham, who's the chief investment officer at Bulwark Capital Management. Zach's also a sponsor of the show, so you know. It doesn't change the fact that he is here because he's a good Christian man who happens to be a successful fund manager. And this is all a result of a conversation Jack, uh, Zach and I had. This is the result of a conversation Zach and I had when I decided to start the podcast. And I just shared with him. He just said, why are you doing it? Why are you starting the podcast? And then we talked about finance and it just blew my mind. Joining me now is my good friend, Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer, Bulwark Capital. Uh, Zach, good morning. Welcome back to the Todd Herman Show. Good to be back, man. Good to be back. Uh, just, you know, just visiting before we started chatting, uh, I played for the audience uh, three clips of Nancy Pelosi. I think the most, the, the two most relevant here 
or that she says there's lawlessness in our country. Gee, where did that come from? <laughs> do you have any, uh, any tips for her and where that may have come from? Oh, man. You remember last week when we were talking, I said if people knew the full measure of the corruption going on, especially, and I'm just talking about the financial side. Um, Todd, if we did what, so people need to understand that, that literally, and, and, and if you go through the list, we just got a report for every Democrat doing it, Todd, there's a Republican doing it too. These people are insider trading off of their influence and it is legal. If I did what they did, if you did what they did, we would be in jail. Yeah. It, it, and, and she sat up there on the podium and admitted it. And she goes, they, it's a free market. Do you hear that part? Where well, goes, no, it's, it's a free market. They, they need to be yeah. able to participate it. And I go, you're the watchdog of the free market. Well, Are you kidding me? Right. And then also this, they just, they have incrementally made it a non-free market. Let's see. A free market economy forces someone to take an injection that cannot mathematically can't help them, that biologically cannot help them. That's a free market, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, um, and we'll talk about this because I want to get into the stock market with you about this free market thing. I saw Pfizer just did a really interesting purchase, just fascinating. And Zach, I mean, you track individual stocks and you're an active investor on people's yep. behalf. I just noticed that um, Pfizer has purchased a company for 670 million bucks that deals with things like, uh, oh, pericarditis, heart problems, um, autoimmune deficiencies. Uh, they just picked that up for 670 million bucks. God, that's, called, that, that's what we call hedging. <laughs> Right. All right. That's hedging. Yeah. They're going to, it's a, a, it's complementary businesses, right? Yes. I mean that, I mean, and, and what's funny, what's funny is that is a microcosm or that is a, that is a perfect example of the larceny and the fraud in the pharmaceutical business, right? This is how, this is how these guys make their money, right? Create a problem and sell a fix. This is nothing new, right? This is nothing new, yeah. right? They're symptom treaters. Yeah. Um, and so, hey, we created more symptoms. Hey, guys, great idea. Yeah. Let's treat them, right? Yeah. This time it's at a global scale. I had a, a conversation with a friend of mine the other day um, who was pointing out that this is the first time in our lifetime, Zach, that we've seen this stuff on a global scale. All countries, the same message, the same cases, 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 and the same safe and effective, all of these things, and ignoring the same things, ignoring the protest. So I wanted to chat with you, and I wanted to kind of, you and I chat a little bit about how, um, I want to help our listeners, our common yeah. listeners, understand what I call the new rules for a new reality. Yeah. And I want to focus on on the stock market because you you started something in my mind, and I got so many comments on this about entities that that is, this isn't a free market anymore. It's a rigged market. Um, in a free market, the stock the, the stock market stocks are valued how in an actual free market, and how are they purchased in an actual free market? Well, so, so, um, first of all, let, let me start off by saying, I was thinking about your listeners and we've already talked to several of them that have called in and they're just, they're great people, man. As a matter of fact, actually, we were doing a financial seminar with the uh, Snohomish County police department last night and, uh, ran into several fans of yours. And they're just, they're, they're fantastic people like all your listeners are. And the first thing I want to say is, um, let's be confident. Right. As Christians or, or in any capacity, we don't need to be timid. We don't need to be afraid. We've got a provider. Let's attack it straight on. Yeah. Um, so just saying that. So anybody that's freaking out or that's uneasy about things, I understand why you are. But don't be because we win in the end. We all know that. Right. Um, but but first of all, so so people need to understand 
that they go, you know, we got to protect our system. We got to protect free markets. We don't have free markets, not even close. Okay. Every level. and, And if you look at it, I'm not saying this hyperbolically. If you look at it, the Federal Reserve, I think we all know this, the Federal Reserve sets interest rates, right? Interest rates are the price of money. That's what an interest rate is, yeah. the cost of money. Yeah. Um, they set interest rates. Then with quantitative easing, they if people hear the term quantitative easing, okay, what that means, and I always love it, Todd, because one of the things we try to do on our show is, is translate. Right. Because we right. put these big fancy words on it to, to try to, to, to disguise what they're really doing. Right. Right. Quantitative easing means that literally the Federal Reserve is putting money into an account by, by, by dictate. Right. They push a button, literally. And if your clients and if, and if your listeners, excuse me, want to have a, an example of this, go pull up on YouTube Ben Bernanke 2008 60 Minutes. Okay, he explains this process. He admits it right, right out there. Okay, they print, they print the money, they put the money in the electric account, and then they buy things. Okay, so that that's what quantitative easing is. So okay, let me say it this way: this is conjuring. Yeah, hundred percent. So this is like you and me. Like if I go to a car lot, uh, or let's let's pick a even a let's pick a non-destructive asset. I'm shopping for a home, and my real estate agent says, "Hey, you'd love this place. It's thirty-five million dollars." And I say, I don't have 35 million bucks, but hold on. I turn my back to her. I wave my hands and I say, check your iPhone. Yeah. And my real estate agent goes, oh, look, you've got 35 million bucks. Is it different but, than that? No, but, but, but see, you, you need to be part of an investment bank or the government to get that deal. Just so you yeah. know, so we're not going to get that deal. Right. Right. Uh, and 35 million is nothing for those guys. If you're part of the circle, uh, if you're in the circle of trust. <laughs> wow. Um, no, it really is that simple. So, so then they take that money. And this is not new. They've been doing it literally since the financial crisis back in 08. Okay. Yeah. So they buy up, they buy up government bonds. Yeah. Okay. So my point is they're setting interest rates. They're buying government bonds. And then last year during March, they bought corporate bonds. And I was talking, so that is the debt of companies. Yeah. Okay. And like you, you said, jokingly, I thought about this after our show, you were like, yeah, I bet you they weren't buying the debt of small plumber business. And they were right. <laughs> it was Google, Apple, you know, it just, just, and you look at it and go, what? Well, that was like I was saying, that was the debt owned by these funds, right? So they, they were bailing out the funds. So they print the money at the expense of us, right? All of us. And then they spend it wherever they want. And so what I'm saying is when the Federal Reserve is in there buying mortgages, they bought $1.2 trillion, okay? Uh, buying corporate bonds, they bought $838 billion, I believe. Okay, they're setting the price in that market. Okay, so if you can, if you control the price of money, and you control the price of debt, you don't have a free market. And people go, well, they're not controlling the stock market. And I'm like, guys, if they control the price of debt and the price of money, by de facto, they control the stock market. That's just right? that's just so insane, and yet it makes all the sense in the world because when you worship money, right? It, look. Um, the Bible's pretty clear that, yeah, look, rich people can get into heaven. It's difficult because oftentimes people become rich by virtue of worshiping money or you know, look at their money and this is my salvation. You know, uh, that, that sad story in the Bible uh, of, um, you know, a guy comes and he watches Jesus speak and, and he is astonished. And this is clearly the Messiah. This is the son of God. And he says, Rabbi, Rabbi, what do I need to do um, to be with you? And, and, and Jesus says, well, look, 
um, be free of sin and, and, and follow the word of God and make sure you do these things in the 10 commandments. He goes, no, no, I'm good. I got that covered. And then Jesus says, okay, well just sell everything you have and come with me. <laughs> and, and the guy says, broken hearted. Uh, yeah. Broken hearted walks away. Yeah. Now, I mean, I think what the Lord was doing there is saying, Hey, let me see where your heart's at. Right? Let me see where your heart is at. I'm not telling people to go dump everything because the Bible is also very clear. We, those who don't care for their families and feed their families, um, they're not in good stead with the Lord. But I, I, Zach, I think that you are participating in something so vitally important, brother. Um, I believe the Lord has torn the, 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 the curtain from the temple, um, the temple of evil in DC and the temple of thuggery. Cause this sounds like financial thuggery to me. Now, how does this affect the bank accounts, the retirement accounts um, of, of, of our common listeners, Zach? Well, really quick on that point, yeah. uh, that story that you said about Jesus, right? It's no yeah. different than Abraham and Isaac, right? It was the same thing. Do you, and I'm not advocating, we put our kids on an altar or anything like that, but I'm right. just saying it's the same thing. Do you put your money where your mouth is? Right. Do you worship, right? Absolutely. Um, so, so, and this is the, this is the part where I said, and I've talked to our clients, Hey guys, we're not timid. We're, we're not, we're not going to be afraid. Don't worry about this. We know I sent out a letter to our clients about seven, eight weeks ago. And the title of it was called buy dirt. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, um, good thing you know, it, the clickbait. It's a great song. Do you know that song? Have you heard it? Yes. It's a great song. Yes. Okay. And I, I, I thought about it when I was in Lake Chelan at the end of summer with my kids, I was literally in the, in, in our boat with my wife, watching my kids jump off the back of the boat. And that song was on and it just clicked. And I went, now's the time. So, so the thing that we need to do is be confident, be, be, be faithful. But, um, in this, in this, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity yeah. and it's buying dirt. It's buying the simple things. It's buying natural resources. It's buying land. It's buying oil. And we will just be confident, right? What, what, what is it? What is that one in the Bible that be smart? Like, um, what well, is that? Be, yeah. Be clever as a serpent and, uh, yeah, and yeah. useful as a dove. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so that clever as a serpent thing, what do we do when we see all this chicanery going on? When we see all this nonsense, when we see, you know, these crazy, th th this is a, this is an absolute mania. Um, no clue when it ends, no clue what the conclusion looks like, but I don't need to know Th this is simple. We go back to the drawing. Board. What do we buy? We buy the things you can't print. We buy the things you can't yeah. copy and duplicate right. over the internet and the air right. and all that kind of stuff. Wow. You know what? You just made a biblical point. Do you feel it? I'm, uh, I, no, think of this, brother. think of this, Zach Abraham's with this bulwark capital management. Um, you buy the things that only God can conjure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and it's, and it's, um, and, and not just one guys, you gotta be diversified, right? You, you, you should have a diversified portfolio. Um, we can certainly help you with that, but, but, but I'm also about, all about sharing the information. You can do it on your own, right? Oil, nat gas, copper, some gold and silver do not load up on one, but there's plenty of opportunities. And, and I think the, the, the opportunity for a lot of these people is not only do I think that that's going to be wonderful going forward over the next five to 10 years. The other thing is that these things are generationally cheap to Todd, because in, 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 a, in, a, in an environment, and the market really reflects this, in an environment where cash is infinite, right? Because that's, that's what the Fed has created. Whenever yeah. there's an issue, we just print more, yeah. okay? To the tune of 6.5 trillion in the last 18 months, just out of thin air, okay? Incredible. 
So what do you do? You look around and go, okay, what, what, what is the stuff that is outside of this? What is the stuff that just can't be directly manipulated by all this printed money? You know what the answer is, is it's natural resources. It doesn't care how much you print. It doesn't care how you control it, right? It's a simple thing. Trees have to be planted and they got to grow. Oil's got to be extracted from yeah. the ground. Natural gas has to be extracted. Let's get simple, right? And yeah. that's what we've been telling our clients. Hey, we're just going to get simple. We're just okay. going to be those country bumpkins that everybody, <laughs> right? Everybody ranks on and everybody yeah. decries uh, and, and, and the current culture mocks. Um, and you're buying energy, man. Why aren't you in tech? Yeah. You know, you, um, okay. All right. So, I love it. I love it. Well, and it go and it goes right with the biblical theme too. Like anybody that um, investing in God go hand in hand, they go hand in hand. And, and God, and Jesus spoke about this. The Bible touches on money all over the place. And I would just remind people that as we multiply what God's given us, that, I mean, our job is to be good stewards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you multiply it, it's not just to put it in a hole and sit on it. You know, I'm a food storage guy. You know that. Yeah. I'm a prepper. I've got a couple years of food. I was talking to my wife the other day about, you know, we need to pray about when we make the move really, really up into the mountains. And I'm talking about a hundred acres. I'm talking about you know, fruit trees and grain and, and, but we need to also pray on how we use that to help others. Right. I talk about this with churches, right. When, when the, the worst happens, we need to be the one saying, no, no, we've got food. Yeah. yeah. Right. right? And we've yeah. got blankets and, and this, I think that stewarding our money the way you do and, and you're telling other people to do gives us that great blessing of an opportunity when Jesus comes to us in the person of a, of a poor needy, you know, man, and he says, I'm hungry. Can you feed me? We don't have to say, I should have gone to college. Should have yeah, gone to tech. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. Yeah. It, right. it, you know, it kind of reminds an analogy we use here in our office is, you know, David and his mighty men, right? Right. Humble, uh, love God, uh, uh, you know, doing the right things. And uh, again, it kind of goes with that uh, um, clever as a serpent, humble as a dove thing. Yeah. Um, we were not called to be uh, second place. We were not called to, 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 you know what I mean? To be yeah. at the end of the line, it, th- this, we should be excellent. We should be the best that we can possibly be. God wants us to be successful investing. And I think the, you know, the number one reason for that is like you said, to be able to share with others, take care of others so we can be the hands. I always think it's, I always think it's funny. One of the, one of the verses that changed my life was when Jesus was talking to Peter for the last time. And, and the last words he said before he left was feed my sheep. Right. right? I've, I've heard that so, you know, it's so weird that you say that because I, um, when I decided to, you know, drop out a commercial radio, you know what I heard? Huh? Feed my sheep. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know how to do that. And I still don't. I stumble through this. I hope yeah. God just has patience on me when I misquote the Bible because I'm trying my best. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not yet a theologian. I might, you know, I might become an ordained pastor. Can you, can you believe that? I actually can. That doesn't surprise. It's not, I mean, right. It's not really all that different from what you do now. Um, and we talk, we talk about it here at the firm. I don't think that what we do is that different. As a matter of fact, we have three pastors on staff. Uh, um, but no, the, the, the biggest, the biggest message that, that I think people need to understand, like I said, is let, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be freaked out. Let's be clear headed. Yeah. And let, when you see all of this going on, um, you know, this guy isn't a, a paragon of virtue, but Buffett has a, a quote, right? Which is be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Yeah. And everybody now is being really greedy and he doesn't mean to be fearful. What he's saying is go look where they're not looking. When was the last time you heard somebody, dude, you got to buy an oil stock. 
You got to buy a natural gas. Stock, the last right? time I heard that was from you two weeks ago. That's <laughs> okay. what I told you. What I need to do. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, you make this strong point. I think it's 365 times in the Bible. That would be one per day, uh, per year, per day. Um, it, it, a variation of let not thy heart be troubled. Do not yep. be afraid. Uh, yeah. Next, next week, I want, I'm going to have sinus surgery. So if I, if I am not dead, um, I would like to cover off on another aspect of the new economy. And that is um, these house values and the home values that, you know, have been squeezed because there's people conjuring money and buying neighborhoods, Zach. They're buying entire neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. All right. Black I, Rock. Yeah. So could we talk next week through um, the reality of the housing market in the new uh, you know, like new rules for the new reality and and if that's a free market and, and how we act in that? Because I know buying dirt's a good thing, but I'm also wondering about some of the McMansions and all that. Could we talk through that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And we could even hit it to, I mean, whatever. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just right. remind me because we've actually done a lot of research on this, on the yeah. housing market. And I don't think it's what everybody thinks. Um, for instance, I don't want to get too far into it because we're going to talk about it next week, but everybody thinks housing's in a bubble. Uh, I don't think it is at all. Yeah. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. And it's a function of interest rates is really what I'm saying. So I look at the cost of these things. The cost is lower on real estate and, and, and housing than it was in 2007. Yeah, particularly if you're, if you're leveraging, right? If you're if you're, yeah, if you're getting a yeah. mortgage, it's, it's lower. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, which is why I would suggest to people, and this might fly in, this might fly in the face of things, but that's why I think people should use the debt. I don't think they should put their own money in it. Okay. okay. One time I'm going to hear you say use the debt. One time you you'll never hear me advocate <laughs> debt. It was funny. I like I said, I was talking to the Snohomish County police guys, uh, yeah. policemen the other day, and this topic came up, and then they said, should I pay cash for a house or finance it? And I have to swallow hard, man, because I'm an anti-debt guy. Right? It's slavery. Yeah. Um, at the same time, when you live in a fraudulent economy and fr a fraudulent you know, environment, yeah. um, and they're going to give you money at one third the inflation rate, you use that worthless money. Use it, right? Don't use it for cars. Don't lever up your life, but for your home, use it. And a lot of these states, Todd, the other thing is, um, and I am not advocating financially responsibility. What I'm advocating for is people to protect themselves. One of the things I tell people is that at least in Washington, I'm not sure about the real estate laws in Idaho, but Washington is what we call a no fault state. Meaning if you default on your home loan and you walk away from your house, there's no financial retribution that they can levy against you. Incredible. They, there are other states where whatever the remaining amount you owe on your mortgage is, you will actually be required to pay taxes on that amount, right? If you walk away from a home, but there's states where there are no fault states. So you can just walk away. Now it'll hit your credit, right? Right. Um, but the reason I advocate using the debt is because I don't want people putting their real money into this stuff, right? Keep the real money off to the side, keep your options open because in a fraudulent environment, we got to watch out for, you know, um, we can't trust the system. Look, they're using pretend money, so we do. Right. Absolutely. So let's use yeah. that. No, okay. So I get that now. I get it. So we'll reach over across into their world. We'll use their pretend money to finance houses. We'll use our real money for the things that matter. So the things that we're building God's kingdom matters. We can't tithe with their pretend money. Please don't do that. Um, and we can build then actual security for our families, some wealth uh, within yep. the parameters of, of building the kingdom and kingdom thinking. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, here's an example. So we have a real estate fund. Um, that's very conservative. Really, it's it's a great fund. They do a great job with it. But it pays about 8% annual distributions. 
Okay, so we have clients with big chunks of money that want to pay off their house. And I go, yeah. no, 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 no. Put the money over here in the real estate fund. It's safer than the individual, your individual home because it's diversified and, yeah. and, and you know, it's, it's diversification lowers risk. We all know that. Um, but if you're financed at 275, put your money over here and make eight. Let that money making eight pay your house off. I don't know how, how you hold this all in your head. Because I can think about one of these things at once. No, truly, Zach, I can do this. I can think about one of these markets at once. I can do puzzle thinking on like the COVID and how the PCR tests interact with, you know, immunological factors. And I can do that with tech to some degree and how these things interact. I truly don't know how you hold all these market variables in your head. Right. But I guess that's why Bulwark is successful. Oh, is successful for God's blessing. But right. yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's, you know, we all have weird little niches. I yeah, think a lot of my, I see that I, okay, we're going to start having to do video interviews when I get my video studio truly ready, because the look on your face right now was part humility and then part amusement. Like I'm not going to nail my buddy here because it's hot. I'm just a bit smarter <laughs> than you. Uh, oh no, oh, no, <laughs> no, it's it. My wife jokes about this all the time where, where she's like, uh, uh, honey, you have really weird talents that are really only applicable to one thing, right? <laughs> you know, find it. I don't know. I've always been intrigued by it. And, um, uh, yeah, just the, I, I, I love it. I love, and, and even though it's a, is it frustrating because it's a fraudulent market and valuations don't mean anything. You were asking earlier, how is a stock valued? How does it work in a real market? The way this is supposed to work is that investing by its very nature is the art of buying discounted cash flows uh, or excuse me, future cash flows at a discount. Now what let's translate that. What that means is I'm looking at a business and saying, okay, this business is growing by 6% a year. Profit is growing by 6% a year. I, I, I believe that that will continue to con grow in the future. Yeah. And it, I, what I want to do is I want to buy that at a, at a price that is substantially less than those future cash flows. So therefore the future cash flows equal more than my investment, right? That's, that's the way it's supposed to work. That's how we make money. Okay. Today, I can't really tell you what is going on as far as valuations. I'm just saying that that whole thought has been thrown out. It's magical okay. thinking. The same thing is happening in the stock market that's happening in in politics, it's magical thinking and prices of those assets, especially publicly traded assets like stocks are completely disconnected from underlying fundamentals. And you just, you just brought something to my mind and um, I know you're, I know you're busy with clients. And so I want to just drop this into week two. Next okay. week, I want to talk about houses and that in the new, you know, the new reality and the bulwark capital view on that, Zach, I want you to talk about that. But you just, you just said something so key that people need to understand. They're going to make conjuring an official policy. The, it already is. I, I, yeah, but they're going to now make it a virtue. In, yes. The, the ESG score, uh, environment, social justice, and governance, replaces the balance sheet and the PL. They're going to make conjuring a virtue. Their profit and loss no longer matters. It's how good are you? That's how good are you according to the party? I, now, let's leave that there two weeks from now. You and I are going to go through the ESG score because it is making conjuring and lying a virtue. And I think I read somewhere something about thou shalt not lie. I yeah, think I did. Oh, this is so I see. I hate it. You're baiting. I got to bite my tongue now for an entire no, week. No, no. Two weeks. Next week is oh, that's right. people's homes and yes. the, the new reality of people's homes in this new reality. Then the week after that, we're going to go through the ESG score. Um, Zach Abraham, Bulwark Capital Management. How do people get in touch with you? 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at KYR Radio. You can go to knowyourriskradio.com and download a podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. We do the show once a week. You can contact us and email us at Board Capital Management. Um, yeah, they, they, all, all the ways. All the ways. All right. All the ways, yeah. Zach is my friend, and he's also, um, he, he's a sponsor of the show, but I've never felt like... Uh, but like you're a sponsor, I have to tiptoe around. I think I could ask you tough questions and I think you'd be fine with that. I think I could, I could challenge you on things. I can't oh. because you'll beat me up intellectually, but. <laughs> no, I don't think so, man. Maybe in, maybe in a very slim, uh, a narrow <laughs> purview, maybe I got you. I, I don't want to go, I don't want to go clash swords with you on, on politics and, uh, you know, immunology and all those things. Well, just one other thing. I think when we get you over here, you and I will head to my CrossFit box together. You and I haven't done a workout together in three years and you love the last one we did. Well, love is an interesting word. It, it, I didn't love it the next morning. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I you appreciate it, man. I appreciate you so much, brother. All right, pal. Likewise. Thank you. Go with God's good grace. You too. I think this is what it's like when you surround yourself with godly people. You surround yourself with people who are making money, but they're doing it in a way uh, that is also providing this good stewardship. And man, it is a brave thing uh, for Zach to speak so openly about the uh, corruption in his business. Another guy that does that is my friend Dave the Digital. He's at Greenhaven Interactive. He is a conservative technologist, specializes in making sure your company gets found. Uh, and once your company gets found, making sure that uh, he figures out very quickly who is a web surfer uh, versus a buyer. So you can go to him at greenhaveninteractive.com. That's greenhaveninteractive.com. The emails continue to pour in. So do suggestions for songs for me to review. And this may be a thing. We may start doing this as a thing that maybe you guys pick the songs. I respond to them. Occasionally, I'll put in the songs I like. But we, this, this, this is, see, the reason I like this is because it took off on its own. So another listener submission for a song today. First of all, note from Philip in Brazelton, Georgia. Greetings, Todd. I've been wanting to drop you a note, let you know how much I enjoy your show and how it's impacted my life. I found you when you were subbing for Rush. God rest him. As you did the show, my ears perked up because we seem to share so much in common in how our minds work. I too spent a long time in IT and we seem to have a very similar approach to solving problems. Computer systems are unaffected by preconceived notions of prejudice. When troubleshooting a complex system, your only hope is to toss those things out and focus on variable, verifiable data and patterns you can use, observe, predict, and replicate. So when you were talking about the structured data mixing with unstructured data in the election results, you were speaking my language. The same is true with your approach to the COVID response sham. Simple analysis of publicly available data leaves no doubt the party is lying to us. We both noticed the profound shift in March 2020, and this was no longer about a disease or saving lives. It was about something else. You got my attention. Then you have faith and willingness to be vulnerable. That has completely gripped me. But this time it was not for what we have in common, but because of what we do not. I know you get a lot of emails, so I'll try to keep this brief, but it's accurate to say that I turned away from my faith about 20 years ago. I didn't reject my faith. I just pushed it down. I stopped going to church, stopped praying. People assumed I was religious because my family and and associations, but in every practical sense, I was not. When Rush got sick and COVID came um, practically at the same time, I soon heard you for the first time. At first, it was jarring to hear you speak of your faith. Then your words became encouraging, and I started to notice others speaking of their faith as well. I agree with you that the Lord is moving and is planning something great to advance his kingdom on earth. 
I felt God moving in my heart, but it was still lost. I was still lost and had no idea what to do. So finally, I decided to pray. I confessed to God that I was lost and I had no idea what to do. But from then on, I was committed to showing up. That was my simple idea, just my simple prayer. My morning routine had been to immediately jump into the various new sites that I've learned and I can pretty much trust and none did I visit pre-COVID and pretty much start each day in frustration and strife. My new commitment was to leave to leave the, uh, my phone on its charger and start my day reading the Bible instead. I'm grateful to be able to say I've not missed a single day. I decided to start the new with the New Testament, read one chapter each day. I'm now on Acts 20. I've been really amazed how this simple change has affected my mindset. It's also the first time I've just read the Bible through. I'm struck by what a curated belief I had acquired by pretty, uh, by pretty much just reading the parts of the Bible that other people were focusing on during the sermons or that. Taking in the whole thing really appeals to my IT mindset I just described. I'm not there by any means on the same path. I'm beginning to feel convicted about finding a church. I'm being repulsed by so many I've seen. I'm praying that the Lord will soften my heart. Anyway, just wanted to add my voice to the course of those who are letting you know that the Lord is using you and your show. Blessings to you and your family. Philip from Brazelton, Georgia. See, Philip, this just note just fills me with hope. And the path you're walking, it's such an honest path. Like being baptized, uh, there's a great saying from a, a preacher I know, or I listened to, I haven't met him yet. He said that the first time he was baptized, he went in a wet sinner, came out a wet sinner. The second time he went in and became a churchgoer. And the third time when he was baptized in the River Jordan, he came out a new being, right? So it's a process. And I love the process you're going through. And I also love that you're applying your intelligence to the Bible, logic, right? It's all there. I love what you're doing. And just God bless Rush again for speaking of his faith because it was, we were never told what to say on EIB ever. There's one time where the show became too religious and I got a note in the ear just, Hey, you know what? This has become a Bible study. I said, I was just about to say the same thing. Let's get back to the politics. And when the Maha spoke of his faith, the floodgates opened and, and a whole bunch of people did. So what I'm also going to tell you is by what you just did, Philip, speaking of your faith, it emboldens others to speak of theirs. It really does. So this is one of the reasons why I talk about in the public square, we need to speak our faith. From Mary. Hi, Todd. I listened to you on KTTH since I was 25. It's, uh, I lived on Mercer Islands out by Seattle at the time. And I listened as I commuted to the city. Your show was such a beacon of lights. I work for the most liberal company. You helped me embolden me to speak up by equipping me with the facts. One time, my cohort was an India uh, immigrant from India. Uh, had to go to racial equality training. I asked how she liked the training and she said it was heavy. She said it was making her rethink her past experiences and wondered if racism was involved when previously thought they never crossed her mind. Your show emboldened me to be courageous by trying to talk her out of that mindset. My husband and I live in Enumclaw now. I cannot state strongly enough how much better it is living among like-minded people. I'm 31 now and stay home with my baby. My husband and I continue to listen to you. You truly feel like part of the family. Maybe you can offer some advice. My husband and I are thinking about leaving Washington State. On the one hand, I don't want to miss the opportunity to raise my son in a better place. Even in the haven of Enumclaw, Washington, I don't want it to get worse and worse. So gradually, I don't notice and miss the opportunity to leave. On the other hand, our families and church are here. Will I regret going? Will I regret staying? We think we're here for another few years, but at some point we'll have to make a decision. Anyway, thank you for your show. I like the podcast even more than radio now that you can openly discuss God and the Bible. Excited to see what God has in store for your future. Love, Mary. P.S. 
If you like that one killer song from your podcast, you'll probably like Between uh, Me and You by Brandon Flowers. He's the main singer of The Killers, did his own album. It's a song about how chasing worldly things ultimately doesn't satisfy. It resonates with me. It's a song that makes me think he's not a Hollywood guy. All right, we'll get to that. Uh, Mary, just I'm so thankful that the show that's meant so much to you since you were 25. That's sane. That's insane. And that you were that young and listened to the program and are still very young. So thank you for that. Secondly, on leaving. Look, what's God doing around you? Is God blessing you? Does God want you to leave? Get to the Bible, read the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit for the input. Holy Spirit answers us or guides us through prayer. Father will answer. Um, and the, the answer may not come today, but he also answers us through circumstances in our lives. Reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit speaks. I would first turn there. The practicalities are these. Uh, is your kid at risk? If your kid has anything in, in the mental health world, leave this instant, right now. If you cannot afford um, private school, leave. Th- those are my, that's my, my idea on a, on a temporal basis. You know, and I wrote Mary, I, I wrote you earlier, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't quite that clear, but that is where I stand. So in, in regard to you know, this guy not being a Hollywood guy, I love the way you put that. So in fact, I did go listen to this song between me and you, Brandon Flowers, and I took a different message from it. It's obviously about, you know, it's not a good idea to chase worldly things. It's def- that's definitely in the song. But I listened to something else in the lyrics that hit me more. Now, to me, just honestly, the song's a little sleepy. Uh, to me, the song's a little slow and a little bit not as dynamic as the rest of the killer's work that I've now examined. But sometimes that's helpful when you're taking in a message song. To me, this seems like a message song. And to me, this seems like a song deep from the heart of Brandon Flowers. And it is called Between, what's it? Between Me and You. And I'll tell you where I think the line is. I've been thinking about the future and between me and you I think I'm losing it now between me and you I've been worried about the future and between me I think I'm losing it now piece of that to me, sorry, I forgot to do a fade out is the following that there's a power in letting go. 
And on a personal note, I can share with you that there's a power of letting go. Um, I'm a perfectionist in some ways, and particularly around being a father. I was a perfectionist. And that led to me being a good father, but not an effective father. And there's a difference. And the difference is that uh, effective fathers uh, can provide the feedback that their kids need without becoming the doer, the helicopter parent, the lawnmower parent. I didn't even know I'd done that. And that part of me is something I've had to leave behind. It's a very difficult thing because it takes an admission. I really enjoy being around young kids and it's because it's easy. It's easy. But look, it's hard when you're doing it. I remember the sleepless nights. I made this decision with my wife early on that I would get up for all the feedings. And a lot of it was because I wanted to experience that. Uh, another part of it was that I wanted to be there for my wife. That, that's why should she just do it? And then eventually my wife was very sane and said, whoa, wait a minute. You work, you know, 24 hours a week or day, not a week, and you never stop working. And so why are you doing this? And that was a good point. But there's something else about leaving things behind. I had said a long time ago that kids are self-extracting software programs. Like you can set up the best operating system. You can set up the best environment, but your kids are eventually going to go and do their own thing. And that's so difficult. And I know parents who are insanely great parents and there's kids walking an absolutely lost path. Obviously, I know kids who've been hurt and traumatized and it has changed them forever forever. And they will grow out of it and they will mature, but that trauma will always be there. And it changes the path they walk and the letting go is of what you thought would be. My mom finally shared with me a story that I'd never heard. She had a crying fit when I didn't go to college. Well, I dropped out. I dropped out of my first year of college after football was over because I was done playing football. I was done with school. And she and her best friend, Tina, got together and my mom cried and cried. And some other friends came with her and they cried for her. She had to let go. And I walked a very crooked path. And I was not with the Lord. And I walked the path of living in deep ghettos. There was a time where I was 150 pounds heavier because I was deeply unhealthy. I drank. I didn't exercise a bit. I was deeply cynical. I had no hope. I had cynicism and, and cleverness and smarts, but no direction. And my mom had to struggle through that. And she had to deal with the phone call from me in my mid to late 20s where I announced to her that I, hey, hi, mom. And I've given this a lot of thought. Things aren't going to get better in my life, so I'm going to kill myself. And I, I was so in such a twisted mindset that I thought my mom was going to go, well, you know what? You make a good point. I, I'd like to argue with you, but you're right. You should kill yourself. And she didn't. She went into action as a mom. So did my dad. My dad flew down to where I was at. My sister flew down to where I was at in the moments. Notice they were down there and they saved my life. And it turned out later that 
<laughs> some wackadoodle doc said, hey, I know, let's snack on uh, Prozac after two meetings. Let's start on a high dose. And I stopped that stuff. And three days later, I wasn't suicidal anymore. And incidentally, I, at that point, decided I'll never take another pill like that. But the letting go. Well, there's another part of this. I never understood the phrase, let God have it. Hand it to the Lord. Well, when I started to hand things to the Lord, first thing he said to me is, are you ready to admit you're not super dad? That was the very hardest thing I ever had to do was say on my knees in tears to the Lord, I am insufficient as a father. I need the Lord. I need you. I can't do it on my own. I had to let go. Are you there? Are you ready to let go and hand it to God? This is the Todd Herman Show. You can leave us notes at thetoddhermanshow.com. That's also where you can go to share the show. That's so, that's the biggest way we grow. I mean, that's really the only way we grow right now. I'm so thankful for all the emails. I read every single one. I'm just guilt-ridden that I can't respond to them all. Ah, Well, let's do it this way. Go be well, be strong, be kind, and please, please be right with God.